be the word of God to uh, Revelation chapter 3, and we do want to reconnect, and I'm asking all of you to uh, continue to make appointments so that the pastor and, and First Lady Sister Ginger can reach out to you. Just want to uh, enjoy a time of fellowship either through Facebook or Zoom or even by uh, phone. Uh, call somebody right now. This is going to be a word that will bless you. Uh, start a watch party, a share party, and um, uh, share with someone, I should say. And we are going to be looking at uh, uh, Revelation chapter 7, the sixth of the seven churches that we've been looking at. And we're continuing to level up, level up as a church to the standard that the Lord Jesus has established for us in his word. We want to level up that we might honor and reflect his presence in the world. Amen. Level up, church. Level up. Level up. Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. And the angel of the Lord of the church in Philadelphia write, These things I say, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one can shut, shuts and no one opens, I know your works, see I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut, for you have a little, for you have little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Join hands with somebody right now as we go before the very throne of grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to enter into your courts with thanksgiving. We thank you, O oh God, that even though we are scattered, you are in our midst. And God, when we touch and agree, you come into that circumstance, O oh God, and you hear us. And God, you said if any of us lack wisdom that in prayer we could ask and that you would give to us liberally, you would not withhold. And so, God, we're coming before you right now asking for wisdom, how we can navigate through these challenging times. We're asking, oh God, that you would show us the open door that we might walk through it and bring honor and glory to your name. And now, oh God, we ask that you would continue to minister to those who are ailing right now, some who are listening to me on their bed of affliction. May this word bring a healing to them, oh God. May it bring a source of comfort and assurance that you have not left them and nothing can separate them from your love, which is in your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look for the open door. Look for it. Look for it. As a 12th grade student uh, preparing to graduate from high school in North Philadelphia, Simon Gratz, I had two immediate options uh, for my future. Uh, door number one was to find a full-time nine-to-five job. And door number two was to enlist in the military. Although neither of these choices appealed to me, I was unaware of any other possibilities until something very strange happened. While I was sitting in a physical ed class, one that I would normally cut. <laughs> I, 
I heard my football coaches, the offensive coach and the defensive coach, outside of the door of the class, and they were saying, Benson is smart, Benson is smart. And so I started getting nervous because I didn't know why they were calling my name. And then the next thing I hear was, get out of here, Benson, get out of here, Benson. And so I just follow the coach's instructions, and I go outside the classroom, and they say, you're going to college. You're going to college. You're going to Franklin and Marshall, the Ivy League college. We got a full paid four-year scholarship for, for football for you. And now I'm perplexed because I don't even know what college is. So I, I, I just innocently asked the coach. I'm in the 12th grade, but I had no idea what college was. That wasn't in my thinking. That wasn't even a door that was open to me. It wasn't an option or possibility. And so after the coaches explained that I wasn't going to jail, I thought that was some new type of prison uh, that they had built. Uh, they said they were going to arrange for a personal interview at Franklin and Marshall College. And uh, my mother and a friend of hers agreed to take me on the interview. And uh, as we are driving onto the campus of Franklin and Marshall, I had never seen so much green. I had never seen streets that were so clean. <laughs> And I was just overwhelmed by the experience of what I was seeing for the first time. Now, during the interview, it became very clear that there was no way that I was going to be accepted at Franklin and Marshall. I had horrible SAT scores. But as my mother and the person driving us departed from Franklin and Marshall, never to visit again, <clears throat> I knew they weren't going to accept me, I said to my mother, I am going to college. I'm going to college. Now, <clears throat> when that door at Franklin and Marshall was closed, I didn't give up. That started a fire burning inside of me, and I began to send out applications to every college that I thought would accept me. And every application I completed and sent out, it was rejected. Every door to college that I, the colleges that I applied to, rejected my application. The only school that I applied to that accepted me was Cheney University. And if I had not been accepted by Cheney, I don't know. Uh, if any other school would have accepted me. But what I do know, if I had not continued to go through and look for open doors, I would not be standing before you today. I refuse to give up. I just knew once I saw, once I got a glimpse of that open door, it may not be Franklin and Marshall, but God put something in my spirit that said, you boy, you're going to college. And as I pursued, I refused to be discouraged and not walk through the door that God ultimately opened.
What doors have been closed in your life? Have doors been shut for you in your marriage? There are locked areas where you and your, your wife and husband, you, you, you just don't seem to ever come to any point of resolution. There's just a, a, a fence of defense, a, a, a wall, a, a barrier. That door seems to be shut. Are you locked out of opportunities at your job where you feel unjustly treated that you should have been promoted by now? Has that door been closed in your face? Are there things that have happened to you in your past that have caused doors to shut in such a way that you've not been able to overcome the pain of the wounds that have been inflicted in your life in the past? Are you stuck in the past staring at doors that could have and would have been opened if people had not stood in front of them or discouraged you or refused to even give you an opportunity to be exposed? In Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, the Holy Spirit superintends the Apostle John, who is in exile on the island of Patmos, and he instructs him, Jesus giving John the words, and the Holy Spirit being the superintendent who guides the words that are penned, to write a letter to the church of Philadelphia, the, the church of brotherly love. Uh, this is one of the six of the seven churches. We've already looked at five. This is the sixth of the seven church. And the church at Philadelphia, along with Smyrna, are the only two of the seven churches that the Lord did not rebuke, that he did not say in his letter to them, I have this or that against you. This was a church that had a good and pleasing testimony to the Lord. In spite of their faithful obedience as members of this local church, the Church of Philadelphia found themselves between two doors. Through one door, they could hear the Lord saying, I have set before you an open door, while at the same time there was a, a door behind them that was shut that made it impossible for them to retreat. And so at the time that the Lord gave this instruction to John, the church at Philadelphia was between two doors, a closed door, the past, and the open door, the future. And what made it difficult for them is that there was hell in the hall. <laughs> they were going through pain in between the transition. And they didn't want to go through suffering, and so... It, 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 for some, they, they wanted to retreat, but the door uh, of the past was closed. But in order for them to get to the open door and the opportunity uh, and possibilities that the Lord had for them, it meant that they would need to go through the hell that was in the hall. I want you to know in every, every, in every situation where the Lord provides for us opportunity, there will always be opposition. There will always be hell in the hall. Now, you can get stuck in a place 
of hurt and woundedness. You can get stuck in between the past and the future by, by, by focusing too much on what you're currently going through and, and how much better it was in terms of where you left. And the past always seems a little better when you're going through trouble in the present. But what we don't want to do is end up in a state of paralysis where we are unable to grow spiritually. And so the Lord charges this church, challenges this discouraged and drained church. He says, I want you to see in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of what's been shut in your marriage, in the midst of what you've been uh, what has been, you have been taken from you by way of opportunities in your job or, or, or whatever situation you find yourself in, the Lord says, I want you to look for the open door. Look for the open door. Say to your neighbor, whoever you're with right now, look for the open door. Look for the open door. Now, the question is, it was the, the, the Lord is the one who said, I have set before you an open door. And for me, the question arose is, why should you trust Jesus to keep his promise when you are currently wearing a mask, <laughs> while you're currently unable to visit your, your grandparents or embrace your grandbabies? Why should you trust Jesus in the midst of, your, of a pandemic? Well, let me share at least four things that are revealed about the character of Christ, the, the attributes of Christ in verses 7 and 8. The Bible says to the angel, to the pastor, to the messenger of the church of Philadelphia, write these, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. He is the one who opens and no one can shut and shuts that no one, he, he is the one who shuts and no, he is the one, he, let me get this right, he, is, he opens, no one can shut, there we go, and what he shuts, no one can open. And he talks about how he knows their deeds, but he describes himself in these verses. And there are four things that he says. Here's, here's why we can trust the Lord. First of all, we can trust him because of his purity. The Bible, Jesus describes himself, he says, the one who is sending this letter is holy. That speaks of Jesus' purity, the purity of Christ. It, the word holy comes from the Greek word Hagias, and it comes from the Hebrew word kadosh. Kadosh. Uh, uh, it, it means to be. A, it, it, it has reference to the fact that Jesus has this characteristic that we would say is apartness, or he's set apart. He is sanctified from sin. He he is he is sinless. He is not only sinless, but he's incapable of sinning. And so the first reason why we can trust Christ to keep his promise is because of his purity. He's holy. He is set apart from sin. He's not a man that he should lie. He always operates out of, his, out of holiness, out of his purity. He is the holiest creature. In fact, he, is, he not only is he holy, he is, he's, in the Bible it talks about it in, in Isaiah chapter 6, how the, even the holy angels have never sinned, have to maintain their distance from the Lord. But the point is that the reason we can trust him, and I don't want to get stuck, stuck he, he's, he's pure, his purity, his purity, he's holy. He's holy. Not only is he holy, but he's, he, he is the truth. He is the standard of truth and the source of all truth. 
if something is true, it's because he said so. Uh, he, he, he is the one who never fails. He keeps his promises. All of his promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen. The Lord says in Jeremiah, he says, I keep watch over my word to see to it that my word is performed. You can trust him because of his integrity. He is truth. You can trust him because of his purity. He is holy. He will never violate his purity. He will never do anything that is outside of the realm of holiness or truth. Now, one of the things as we are uh, experiencing this pandemic, uh, they have delayed non-essential surgeries. But if you've ever had to have surgery, before you do, you have a consultation with the surgeon. And uh, I don't know about you, but what I've done the, the time that I had major surgery, I, when, as I waited for the doctor, I looked at every credential on his wall. And uh, I, I have to even, I didn't sit down, I, I stood up, because what I couldn't see, I wanted to read all of the fine print. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that the doctor was who he or she claimed to be. Now, once the doctor entered into the room, they did all the niceties, they introduced themselves, and then they explained to you uh, if they're going to remove the left leg and or the right leg or the right ear or operate on some internal organs, and they'd ask you, do you understand? Do, you, do we need to explain it? And here's what you can expect, the outcome. And once you said you understood uh, what they said was the issue and what they were going to do, you were given some documents to confirm that the doctor had explained to you and that you agreed that what they were saying is true. This is what they're going to do. Now, the doctor can't get you in the operating room and say, I know I told him the left leg, but that right leg sure looks much better to me, so I think I'm going to take the right leg and leave the bad left leg, and then, uh, then, he had to, she, he, then I have to deal with it once the surgery. No, 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 no. You signed some documents, and those documents are legally binding, and the doctor can lose his, 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 his license because his integrity is tied in that doctrine. His, 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 his track record is tied in that doctrine in terms of his reputation. Now, now, with all of that said, if one of the things that has to happen in that operation room is that they have to decontaminate it. They have to clean it, sterilize that room. Now, if the doctor comes in and says, I'm the doctor, I got these credentials, I've been doing this all this long, I don't need to put no gloves on. I don't need to sterilize myself. Now, what happens with that doctor, even though the room is decontaminated and he has all these credentials and experience, if that doctor touches your body with contaminated hands, he may remove the right limb or correct the problem with the organ, but his contaminated hands will in affect you, and instead of making you better, the doctor will make you worse. I want you to know that Jesus doesn't have to, he's a great physician. He don't need no decontamination to work on our broken hearts, 
to, to deal with the things that have dis, that caused us to be, to be wounded and fragmented. He is the holy one. He is the true one. And we can trust him with the very finute details of our life. He will come in and do exactly what he said in such a way because he is operating out of holiness and truth that the result will be when he is finished, we will come out like pure gold because we will be caused to reflect him because what the Lord is going to do with an open door through his holiness and truth, he's going to bring us to a place where we're more like him. So we can trust him because of his purity, he's holy. We can trust him because of his integrity, he is true. We can also trust the Lord to open up the doors in front of us in the midst of all that we're going through because of his authority. The scripture says he holds the key of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can. And I keep getting that mixed up, but you know what I'm talking about. Now, while holiness speaks of purity and truth speaks of integrity, the word key has reference to divine authority. The Bible says that Jesus has some keys. In the scriptures, it actually gives reference to at least four sets of keys that Jesus has in his possession. First of all, he has the keys of the kingdom. And we, le we learn about those keys in Matthew chapter 16 after Jesus asked Peter, said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Christ responds, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Thou Peter, uh, I, he said, the, the, I'm going to build my church, etc." And he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And so Christ has possession of the keys to the kingdom. And with these keys that he makes available to his church, we are able to loose and bound those things that have already been loose and bound in heaven. And so we have access to those keys because Jesus has the authority to release them to us. Jesus also possesses the keys of life and death. In Revelation uh, chapter 1, it says, Jesus speaking, he says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forever. Amen. I have the key of life and death. Jesus has control over life and death. I often hear people say, devil, you can't have her. Devil's trying to kill my mom. I want you to understand that the, ultimately Jesus determines who lives, who dies, and even when we are born. And the only way the devil can touch our body is that the Lord gives him divine permission. But the person who holds the keys to life and death is none other than Jesus himself. He has the authority. He has the final say. I'm so glad that he didn't give us that authority. I mean, if we had authority over life and death, we'd be killing people left and right. And the only people that would live are the ones we like in our family. They'd be still alive. We'd be sending people. They'd be busting, in, busting hell wide open. I mean, they'd be dropping like flies. And if Satan had the keys of life and death, he would take every Christian in the world out in a, in a moment's notice. Christ has the keys of life and death. He has the keys to the kingdom. He also has the keys to the bottomless pit. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 through 6 talks about this. And the fifth angel, sound, uh, angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, 
to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. This is the, one of the plagues that is released upon the earth during the great tribulation. And so Christ allows, one, allows an angel to unlock the bottomless pit, which is also referred to as the abyss in heaven. These are demons where demons are chained because of what occurred in Genesis chapter 6 where the sons of the angels cohabited with the daughters of men. And because of their sin, the Bible says that God has confound, confined them. But during the great tribulation, that key to the bottomless pit is released by the authority of Christ to the angel. And the Bible says when these demons are released on the earth, that people will cry and want to die and they will flee for the rocks to hide them. And the Lord will not allow them to die because these demons will be afflicting them for a season. So Christ has the keys to the bottom of the pit. Christ has the key to the kingdom. Christ has the keys of life. But he also has, he has the keys of David. The keys of David means that he has the, he is the rightful heir to the eternal throne of David, that Jesus the kingdom of God that is already here is simply waiting for Christ to occupy the throne on earth. And so he has the key, the authority to occupy the throne of David. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Through Jesus, who is the son, the, the hum, human son of David, through the ancestry of the tribe of Judah, we have access to the one who is going to reign over, the, over heaven and earth, and he's going to be seated on the throne. And the Bible says that he's going to make us ruler over many if we are faithful over a few things until he calls our name. And so he has authority, and that's why we can trust him. If he says the door is open, you can trust him because he has the keys. No matter what the devil places in front of you by way of obstacles, the Lord has given us a key because he has the keys to the kingdom. He has the keys of David, the throne of David, keys to the bottomless pit. He has the keys of life and death. He's also qualified because of his scrutiny. The Bible says, Jesus said, I know your works. And we've talked about that, oida, the word, the Greek word that is used. He says uh, he knows our works personally because he scrutinized them. He's evaluated them thoroughly. There's nothing that we, we will do for the Lord with the pure motive that escapes his notice. If no one else ever recognizes what we do, the Lord says, I know your works. I know your works. So I can trust him. I can trust him. If he said, I've stepped before you an open door, even if I can't see the door, because we understand, as we're going to see, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we walk by what? Faith, not by sight. And so the Lord, I have set before you an open door. Why can I trust him? I'm going through so much hell in my home. I'm going through so much hell with my body. I'm going through so much hell in my finances. I'm going through so much hell with my children. I can trust him because of his purity, his integrity, his authority and his scrutiny. He is evaluating my works. What did Christ know about their works? He said, I know that you have little strength. You have kept my word and you have not denied my name. And then later in verse 8, it says that you have persevered in suffering. They were weak. These were the kind of believers that the church of of Philadelphia, they, 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 they served the Lord when they didn't feel like it. They served the Lord when nobody else would. They served the Lord when they got no credit for serving the Lord. They served the Lord even when 
Others took credit for serving but didn't serve. He said, you served me. You broke a sweat for me. You, you loved me in such a way it was demonstrated by your actions because the Bible says, if we love the Lord, we will obey the Lord. He said, you served me in weakness. He says, not only did you know my word you, and hear, heard my word, he said, you have kept my word. Oh, it's easy to quote scriptures, easy to uh, uh, instruct others about the word of the Lord. But the question is, when you are being tested, when you are going through the fiery trials, are you like Jesus? Are you willing to say man shall not live by bread alone when you're hungry, when your body's crying out out of loneliness, when you're crying, when your body is saying uh, uh, submit to the pressure of the flesh? Are you willing to say man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the of the living God, are you willing to come under the authority? Jesus said, I know your works. You applied my word when you were tested. Are you applying the word of God for answering questions in the class? Are you applying the word of God when you're, when you're memorizing scripture? But are you putting the words into action when your flesh is crying out? The scripture says, that they kept his word. They also refused to deny his name. This was a witnessing church. This was an evangelism church. Someone said, well, when we get back to church, we can get our ministry and start. No, no, no. The ministry didn't stop because we're not in a building. You should go into all the world preaching the gospel. This is one of the best things that could have happened to the church is that the Lord shut the physical building down for a season to make the church concentrate on what is at the heart of the Lord, that the word goes forth into homes where people can hear the good news concerning Christ. He says, you have not denied my name. Are you denying the name of the Lord during the pandemic and waiting for the day when we can come back and get together and, and have a holy huddle? Are you seeking every opportunity you can to tell people about Jesus? I want you to know when you share your faith, it helps you to grow. It, it, it deepens your prayer life. It makes the power of the Holy Spirit not only active in your life, but it confirms the, the, the reality that the Lord says, when the Holy Spirit has come, you will receive power. As I'm sharing my faith, the power of the Holy Spirit is released. Here's the fourth thing that the Lord said I, I know about their words. You persevere under pressure. They served the Lord while they were under attack. This is what causes us to struggle with open doors of opportunity. And it was like we get so busy uh, having pity parties. And the Lord said, this is a church that did not stop serving me, even though while serving me for no sin of their own, they were under tremendous attack. Now watch this. While they were serving the Lord in weakness, obeying the word and proclaiming the gospel and enduring trials, through per, uh, persevering through trials, that is when the Lord says, I have set before you an open door. Here's the thing. See, you can be in the middle of a, of a, of a hellish experience, and right then and there you are, you are in, in the center of the will of God for your life. That's something that we miss. Now, the Lord said, I've set a door before you, an open door. The verse that I want, that, that, he, that, uh, that says I've opened before you, uh, uh, set before you an open door, can actually be rendered that the door is open. The door is already open. Now, watch this. There are at least four things that I want to share with you about that. Notice who opens the door. 
He said, I have set before you an open door. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to be brown-nosing. You don't have to be struggling for the top. Uh, the Lord says, I'll, he says, I have set before you open door. Now, where, notice, where is the open door? That is, it's a description. It is before you. It's right in front of you. Faith sees the un, invisible. You remember the story of Elisha and his servant? Elijah's servant, he gets up, and he, he wakes up, and he goes outside, and he sees the, the, the hill uh, uh, where, where the prophet lives. It is surrounded by Assyrian soldiers with drawn swords, and he runs back to the prophet. He said, we're going to die, master, master. We're about to die today. It, it, it's the end of the road, brother. I know you've been preaching powerfully. I know miracles have been happening. I know you say the Lord's not finished with your ministry, and I know every day you're dealing with the Assyrians, but finally uh, the, the gig is up, brother, because they surrounded us. And the prophet gets up, and I can imagine he just wipes his eyes, and he looks out, and he said, Lord, he stopped, and he prayed. He said, Lord, help my servant to see that they that are for us are more than they that are against us. And after the prayer, the Lord opened the, 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 the servant's eyes, and he saw chariots of fire with, with angels with drawn swords. And he immediately understood that the battle was really the Lord's. Where's the open door? It's right in front of you, but you can only see the door if you're, if you're looking through the eyes of faith. Now, how do you discover an open door and or a door that is closed? I'm going to share some verses with you. Here's how you discover open doors and doors that God will close. First of all, the reason they were able to be pointed to a door to look at, the Lord says, you're serving me in weakness. And then he said a, a second thing. He, he said that not only are you serving me in weakness, you are applying my word, you're proclaiming my name, and you're persevering. So as you are doing those four things, just start looking for the open door. <laughs> you, you don't have to. This ain't no abracadabra, hocus pocus. If you are operating in serving the Lord, applying his word, proclaiming through the evangelism and persevering, the Lord said, look, right in front of you, in the midst of what you're going through, I have already placed an open door. Now, 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 now here's what you do to get the benefit of the open door. First of all, you need to let the Lord do it because when he opens the door, you don't have to force it. You don't have to force your way in. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. I really like this. This is from Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 7. The Apostle Paul and Silas are traveling through Pergamum to Galatians. He says, the Holy Spirit has prevented them from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. And then at the end, they, 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 they come to the border of Maisha, Maisha and, and, and they head north to Bithia, Bithany. Uh, and, and the scripture says, but again, the Holy Spirit... Of, of Jesus did not allow them to go. What happens when the Lord is opening the door, you won't have to fight to get in or go through. And when he's not, he will, he will, give, he will cause obstacles that will make it impossible for you to do it. Now, sometimes we can run through the red lights and end up outside the will of the Lord. But when we let the Lord do it, we will be able to be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit is redirecting us. Stay with me. But here's something else that you need to do in order to get this, this open door that you're looking for as you're walking in obedience and you're applying his word. 
Pray for it. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. You need to be praying always, Lord, is this a door of opportunity? Do I need to be walking through this one? Now, we're waiting for this Red Sea experience. The Lord part the Red Sea and keep the sun in the sky and it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get dark for 24. No, 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 no. It's not no neon red. This is simply praying and asking God, is this an opportunity to proclaim your word? Is this the opportunity to apply your word? Is this an opportunity to serve you even when I'm tired? Is this an opportunity to suffer for the cause of Christ? And if it is, that's the open door. Go through. <laughs> Declare it by faith. Well, I like what the Apostle Paul says in verse uh, chapter 16, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 9 through 10. He says, there is a wide open door for, for a great work here, although many oppose it. Notice he didn't say, he saw the opposition, hell in the call. He said, but there is a great door open for ministry. Declare it. Yeah, there are closed doors. Yes, there's trouble. Yes, it hasn't worked in the past, but God has me in this relationship. God has me in this man. So I'm going to declare that the victory is already mine because the Lord has said, I have opened the door. And also, we need to declare it by faith. Declare it by faith. I, I, I declare it by faith and then celebrate it. Celebrate it. Uh, I like what Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22 says. It says, when God opens up a door, a blessing for you, you have no worry about something taking or somebody taking it away. Here's the verse. I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court, when he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. When he closes doors, no one will be able to open. You don't have to worry about somebody getting your position, somebody getting your title, somebody taking your special seat, somebody singing your song, somebody driving your vehicle, somebody getting your blessing. No, he says, when God opens the door for you, no one will be able to shut it. And when he closes the door, nobody can force you back through it. And you couldn't go through it if you wanted to. When the Lord has closed it in terms of the type of outcome that you'll get if the Lord intended for you to go through that door. You can force your way through doors that are closed, but you will not have any eternal benefit from those doors that you forced open. It says that we need to celebrate. Don't worry. What's for you is for you. I don't have to hate on nobody. I can love Jesus for what doors he's opening for me because the only door I need open is the door of opportunity for ministry. It ain't even about me. It's really about him because when I'm doing it for him, that's when he said, I will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can even comprehend, beyond what you can articulate with your mouth. When I am walking through doors that the Lord has opened because my goal is to serve him. Oh, man, I'm going to be blessed beyond measure. Now, why do we miss open doors that are right in front of us? The reason we miss the open doors is because we're focusing on closed doors. We're so busy looking at what the Lord did to somebody else that that door is never open for you. 
We're so busy looking back at what we could have done or should have done or what somebody didn't do for us or what they should have done. I have set before you, before you, not behind you, right in front of you. If you would simply open up your eyes, if you would simply get out of your flesh, if you would simply surrender and hum. Sometimes what's happening, what you're looking at and you think you lost or what you think you deserve is just the Lord showing you in a neon sign you got a pride issue. I, I give grace to the humble, and I, I give grace to the humble, but I, I abase. I bring down the prideful. Now, how will the Lord reward those who go through open doors? In Revelation chapter 9 through 12, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all these verses, but I'll read a portion of it. It says, I will make them those who say that they, are, that they belong to the sin of God, but they're really children of sin. He said, I will make them come and worship before your feet. He says, and, and to know that, you, that, that I have loved you. And then he says in verse 10, I also will keep you from the hour in which shall, the hour of trials which shall come upon the earth. And then he says in verse 11 that no one may take your crown. So the Lord promises that when you go through this open door, here's some things that you can expect. The first thing that he says you can expect as you go through the open door in the midst of what you can't see and understand, he says, I'm going to give you power over your enemies. He said, I indeed will make those who are in the synagogue of Satan. He says, they, these Jews, they're really, they're, they're frauds, they're fakes, they're pretending to be supporters and members of the body of Christ. He said, I will make them come and worship. He says, they're going to be, I will make your enemies your footstool. So the first thing he said, I'm going to give you power over your enemies. All those who set a trap for you will, will watch the Lord bless you. I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'll give you power of your enemies. Then he says, I'll give you perspective that is supernatural. He says, see, that's what the word he said when he said, I have set before you literally means look and see by faith. When you look with the eyes of faith in your circumstance and understand that the Lord said, even in trials, he said, count it all joy. As I'm, as I'm looking at what I'm going through from an eternal perspective, knowing that the Lord is using what I'm going through to help me to, be, to mature, become like him, then I will, have the, I will have the perspective of my experiences from God's vantage point. He says, stop, whatever you're doing, turn your attention to where I tell you, right in front of you, I've already set before you an open door. You cannot retreat. You cannot go back. I remember the story of the three Hebrew boys as they were facing the fiery furnace, and the, the, the king said, you better burn, you better bow or burn. They said, well, we'd rather bow than burn because even if God doesn't deliver us, here's the, here's, the, here's the perspective that they had. They were able to see an open door. They said that our God can, but if he doesn't, he's still God. And, and because they saw their circumstances from God's perspective, from his point of view, are you looking at your circumstances now from the temple or the eternal? Are you looking at your circumstances from the flesh or from the spirit? Are you evaluating what you're going through through the word, what God has said, or what you can see? When they, when they evaluated what they were about to face through what God has said as opposed to what the king was showing them they were able to go into the fiery furnace and, the, and, and none other but the Son of God showed up in their situation. I want you to know that when you walk through the open door, when you obey, 
The Lord said, you, you, you can do that because I'm going to give you a perspective that is supernatural. Too many Christians only look at their circumstances from, from how they feel right now. Where is faith? What is God saying to you? You often have to say, I almost want to give, give a smack some Christians, give them a skin brace a moment. What has God said? Why are you going suffering from spiritual amnesia? Why are you acting like you never read your Bible? Why are you acting like God? Here we go again. I'm going to preach that sermon. Hey, God done put you, you've been through this so many times, the Lord, and how many times has he failed you? He has never failed you, but you failed to put on your spiritual spectacles so that you can get a perspective from divine the divine point of view. He said, you can see the open door when you're looking by faith, even when you're going through. He also says, I'm gonna, he, he promises protection, protecting from overwhelming pressure. He said, I will also keep you from the hour of trials. There's a temporal and, and, and an eschatological promise here. He's talking about there's, a, there's an hour of trials called the divine, called the tribulation, and the Lord said, there's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. I'm going to snatch you up out of the church. It's not going to go through the tribulation. I'm going to deliver you from the hour of trial that will come upon the earth. But he also says, I'm going to deliver you from present pressures. Not that I'll take them away, but I'll give you a peace that... Pa- Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll give you a peace that passes all and say, well, I ain't got that yet. Well, because you haven't cast your cares on him. He said, if you cast your cares on me... I I will carry them because my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. My question is, why is your load so heavy? Question is answered because we haven't cast our cares on it. He said, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial that is to come upon the world, the pre-tribulational rapture. I'm going to keep you from present pressure that is being overwhelmed by them. And then the final thing he said, I'm going to give you prestige, honor, respect, and status. I will make you great. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. He overcomes. I will make a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall shall go out no more. And I will write his name, uh, the name of my God, and the name of the city of God, and the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write on him my new name. He said, I'm going to give you prestige. I'm going to give you a position of honor in the kingdom if you continue to walk through open doors. I know you're impressed right now. I know you can't see the, the, the joy that's on the other side. I know you're in the weeping moment, but joy does come in the morning. Faith said joy is coming in the morning. Faith said God said it. That settles it. Faith said the door, if, if God says open my eyes, even though it seems like I'm stuck in depression, I'm stuck with discouragement, I'm stuck and I'm not growing, I'm not overcoming something. The Lord said the door is open. What is the door open in, in my situation? And if I find myself struggling in the same area and I'm not getting ready, he said, there is no temptation taking you, but such that is common to me. He said, I will make a way. What's the way of escape? An open door that you may be able to withstand it. I want to just share. This is a little lengthy, but I want to share this testimony of one of the long-term missionary families that we're supporting at our church, Juan and Melissa Santa Fe. Uh, after 201 days of waiting for the Colombian government to open their country and airport, the Santa Fe's had finally made it, had finally made it to Colombia. It was not an easy ride leading up to their arrival with multiple flight cancellations days before departure, as well as having to live out of a suitcase for months. It was sure a test of patience 
They call this stage of life a patient test, not knowing that their patience would be continuously tested, the hall that had hell in it, even after arrival. Prior to their arrival, they endured eight failed attempts to depart. While living statewide in Trenton, New Jersey, they faced a myriad of challenges when they thought they were, th that their initial trip would go as planned, they, all, they sent all of their belongings ahead unaware of the repeated cancellations that, it would, that would eventually be their experience, leaving them without their clothes and all of their belongings for six months. They endured tragic experiences in their waiting season. On an afternoon in August 20th, while they were home in Trenton, they heard three gunshots, and that was, an, that was an attempted home invasion and a robbery next door. A time Melissa would have normally been outside with their two girls, Megan and Emma. Thankfully, they were in the kitchen and unharmed and had an opportunity to witness to their neighbors. Uh, they relocated their daughters to their parents to put the children in a safer place until they moved to Columbia. During their waiting season, Juan took two seminary classes, Greek two and Hebrew two. I only two, I had two too. Yeah, that was that was that was painful. And Melissa continued bilingual homeschooling for the girls. On October 15, 2020, finally, when it finally came, after seven unsuccessful attempts, they arrived at the airport only to discover that their problems with the Columbia, with the, with, that they had problems with the Colombian immigration. They didn't record the girls' check in that is required. The electronic page to verify their information was down, so the airline would not permit them to check in to fly. This meant that they would have to reschedule the flight yet again. This also meant that their COVID-19 test would expire the day, the next day, and they would have to a minimum $500 fee to retest. Scheduling the flight would be $1,500, would be a $1,500 fee. The disappointment and emotional exhaustion of the Santa Fe's endured was an, was, was an understatement. Finally, Sunday, with the $1,500 fee waived, they were able to safely depart for Columbia and had, and had been on the ground doing ministry for the last five months. Praise the Lord. But if they had not continued to walk through, in spite of the obstacles, in spite of the things that the devil tried to do to prevent them from walking through, they kept looking. And the more they looked with the seven different uh, 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 postponements and sending their clothes and not having their clothes, experiencing all the negative, they refused to give in to focusing on the closed doors because they were clear that God had called them to Columbia. What has God called you to? I want you to understand that the devil's going to do everything he can to prevent you from walking through the open door. That doesn't mean the door is closed because you're going through difficult times, because things aren't working out, because you fell again, or because you can't get your thoughts right uh, when you decide to finally go forward. Now you're trembling in your boots. That doesn't mean the door is closed. It just means that you need to keep on walking and keep on trusting, because as you do, you will find yourself not only in the center of the will of God for your life, but you will find yourself being, not only being blessed, but a blessing to others. Look for the open door. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you, Lord.
for open doors. The doors are not shut because we are in a semi-lockdown because of COVID-19. God, the church has enormous opportunities to bless people that are hurting. Father, may we stop looking at closed doors and focus on the doors that you're opening that we might minister to those as you are growing us up in the faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.